Shut up and sit down. Booyaka, booyaka. Anyway, welcome everybody. How you doing? This is Louis Delgado, street certified dope doctor, the better or the dopest half, not the better half, the dopest half of Dope and Dharma. Wow. Here on the, on the show today. Uh, Louis Delgado here with you, and of course, uh, my partner for what, 10 years or whatever? Something like uh, that, yeah. I'm a guy, Trinity Phillips, something like that, right? Yeah, apparently I'm not the better half, so uh, I don't know. I didn't mean to say the better half. Man. It's because I'm, I'm white, right? It's because I'm white, that's what it is. Hey, we're already we're starting right at the top of the show, let's do it. Well, I could have started by saying this is the final show of Dope <laughs> It might be, it might be. <laughs> but anyway, let's go ahead and introduce our, our, our guest here today. This is a real important show today. Um, look, man, we're, today we're talking about an issue that, that, that uh, is on everybody's mind. Whether you're talking about it or not, it's on your mind. It, it's talked about it all day long, everywhere, every show. Uh, there's so much going on, so we just felt it right to talk about it and be open about it. Uh, so before I get into more of that, let me introduce it to you who's with us. Because if you're visually watching this on one of the Facebook channels, like Facebook.com slash WPSN99, or one of our personal pages, you could see us. And so who you see right here is uh, the, the hosts of Let's, Let's Talk Nation on WOKB uh, 1680, the same channel that we're on every Monday night. They're on from 7 to 8 p.m. at WOKB. We're on right after them at 8 p.m. So uh, it's good to have them on this show right here. It's Greg Jackson, attorney at law, Esquire. It's Greg, Jack Greg Jackson, Esquire, and content creator, right? There you go. There you go. And then we got Rod Love. He's a former commissioner, and he's a businessman in our area here of Orange County, Orlando area. How you doing, Rod? I'm doing well, man. Thank you all for having us. Fantastic, man. Well, it's great having you guys, and thank you guys very much for, on such short notice, yeah. agreeing to be on. Uh, we did not want to have this conversation without people that can actually, I guess, give us good information, solid information from a non-harmful place. And and when I say that, I want to preface everything today, just like I wrote on the on the on the, on the page right now. I said, be respectful. We got to be respectful when we have this conversation. Mm -hmm. I know that we all have feelings attached to the subject of racism. Whether they're valid, whether they're invalid, whether they, they come from your youth, or whether they come from just something that happened yesterday. We all have an emotion attached to that word race and racism. And so we need to be very, very conscientious that your opinion is important to you, and we want to respect that. But all opinions at least should be discussed. That's how we have moved forward in life, I feel. I feel that's how we have progressed in this country is through dialogue and conversation rather than uh, holding people silent or keeping them silent. Uh, so that's why we're having it today. And then, uh, you know, with that, I want to start off by one main thing, Trinity. And, and I think that we cannot discuss racism without understanding what the word is. I think that, that everybody seems to define it just a little bit differently. Right. So right. I think it's important to even understand, like when you hear the word racism, what does it mean to you? Oh, so you. OK, good. Because I was getting ready to go look it up because you had me look it up the other day. Um, <clears throat> so, so to me, when I hear racism, I mean, regardless of the, the textbook definition, right. when I hear racism, um, I, I think any any person, any individual uh, um, looking down on judging or, or mistreating somebody solely on the color of their skin, the race that they're from, regardless of any, any interpersonal things, um, it's strictly just from a visual, hey, you look this way, so I have now a story in my head that I'm telling myself about you, regardless of who you are. Okay. Now, Greg, same question. 
when you hear the word racism, and again, it doesn't have to be Webster's definition because obviously we saw the Anti-Defamation League, they've actually changed the definition regardless of Webster. So, Greg, what do, what do you hear when you hear the word racism? You know, it's a very interesting question because coming up, uh, you know, I went to a historically black college, uh, a university, Floyd a University, and one of the things that we were taught uh, is that racism is power-based. And so what they would tell us, which is kind of interesting, is that black folks cannot be racist because we don't have the power base in order to be racist, meaning that even if we were prejudiced against someone, because it's much more than just prejudice, it's the ability to keep someone from doing something or to get into a certain level in life. And so for me, uh, the word racism is having the ability to not just be prejudiced against someone, but having the ability to keep someone from getting to a certain position uh, that they aspire to to be in life. Very good, very good addition to that. And then, of course, Rod, you, same question. What is racism? Well, you know, I'm, I'm gonna take, I'm, I'm gonna take the baton from Greg and and run with that a little bit more. And I'm glad Greg framed it the way he did, because you don't have to be white to be a racist. Uh, you know, it, it, that could be across the board. But when I think about uh, a racist, I think about a person that they're predisposed when somebody of another race walks through the door and they predispose as to what they're thinking about that person and if they are in a position of power to actually be discriminatory, if you would. And I was just having a conversation earlier that nobody cares what color I am in operating my business. What they care about is the quality of service that they're receiving from my business. Mm. So, you know, we don't, we don't get to the black and white anytime soon we get to the quality of what it is I'm delivering. And that's, right. you know, that that's my position. Right. And, you know, we, we live in a state and, and Greg, you, you, you know, you're an attorney. You understand this. We live in a state where we don't even have the word rape in our legal system. It's 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 a uh, sexual uh, battery. Right. Or, or yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. That's right. Sexual so, assault, so sexual battery. Yeah. Sexual assault. There you go. Sexual assault, sexual battery. Those are the words that we tend to use in this state. Not not that rape is not used in other states, but in this state, it's sexual assault. So when we say racism or racial bias, can those be used in a way that are, you know, equal? Because there's a lot of racial, racial bias can go either way. It doesn't, it doesn't, in other words, racial bias does not require that one little aspect that you added to it, which I like what you added to it, because I think that is very important. The fact that you can actually oppress or hold others from not being able to achieve. Yeah, I got to say uh, racial bias is a little bit more general. And I think everybody yeah. has a bit of that in them. Yeah. I, first of all, I got to say, I commend you, uh, Greg. That was actually the best I've heard that because I've heard the whole idea that that uh, uh, only white people can be racist. I've heard that obviously dozens of times. Um, but I, I think the way you framed it was probably the best I've ever heard it, to be honest with you. Right. Like, it, it makes right. sense. What, what? Yeah, I mean, I mean, but but let's let's go back to the to to, to you know to to what the dope doctor is asking in terms of racial bias. Um, you know, I think that you know, just in just in the general sense, as Brother Love said, all of us have some form of bias, and whether it's a bias because of the color of someone's skin, the bias because of where someone is from, the bias because of the type of business that someone does. Um, yeah, bias is just a natural part of life, and yes, yeah, someone can be biased just because of race. But I think that you can have a racial bias, and, and I know that I know that people are going to, some people are going to freak out when I say this. I think that you can have a racial bias without being racist, or, or or without racism coming into it. I mean, you know, just you know, l let's look at some of the folks that we decide to 
uh, to uh, communicate with or that we put into our inner circles and look at that circle and see what those people look like and that can tell you if you have some type of a bias. But you right, know, I, right. I, I, it doesn't also, make you racist. It doesn't make you it, racist. And, but doesn't, it doesn't make you racist. You just have a certain body. Yeah, right. Right. But, but, but you know, a, a friend to uh, Let's Talk Nation, and I'm going to take a page from Dr. Randy Nelson, who travels the country in doing implicit and, and racial bias training. One of the things that he talks about is the example of a person be being predetermined to have this bias, if you would, until a person that they believe is is racist until they act so a good example of that is you know you you have an individual that is flying the confederate flag riding down the road uh you could have a black police officer pull over a white individual that's flying the confederate flag and so you could actually have law enforcement that is predisposed as to who this person really is until that person opens up their mouth I mean, Correct. if they open up their mouth and and yes, sir, no, sir, you, now you you know you, you're giving a little bit more leeway. So I think a lot of this is predetermined upon the actions of other people, and not our bias. You know, if I think mm-hmm. Greg is something and Greg acts differently, then hey, damn, shame on me. Right, right. Okay. Well, then let me, let me come to you, Trinity. Then then I'm going to change the word bias to preference. Okay. What about racial preference, because I've gone into. Uh, Mexican restaurants where it seems like they prefer to, to, to hire people that look more like me, Latinos, right? right. I run into Chinese restaurants where they appear to hire more <clears throat> Asians that look like them or that, that seem to uh, fit that brand more. I've gone right. into black-owned businesses where I tend to see more black people than white people. So what about racial preference, Dharma guy? Uh, do I think it exists? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it exists. But I also, um, I kind of agree with what Rob was kind of touching on. And that is, I think our experiences, to be honest with you, kind of lend more to to the outcome on that one, right? Like, I know that, because uh, we all know individuals who feel comfortable around different things, for instance. Um, like, I personally, because of the background I came in, the area that I lived in, I honestly feel oftentimes more comfortable with, with non-white individuals. Um, only because those are the individuals I felt, when I grew up, that's the neighborhood I grew up with, and those are the things I relate to. And, and oddly enough, I felt out of place when I would go to some of my, like, uh, uh, like the white friends in high school, for instance. <clears throat> and, and, and it wasn't necessarily their mannerisms and stuff like that. It was just I didn't relate to them. When I would go to their, like, I remember this one kid. I can't remember his name at the moment. But I, I, I can remember like it was yesterday. It was back when, uh, when you know, well, I should say back when the Jordans were popular. But they were always popular. Um, we both, uh, he had like a new pair of Jordans, right? And, and he asked me to come to his house one time. And so I was like, yeah, sure. And when I went to his house, just pulling into the neighborhood, I immediately felt like, whoa, this is not what I'm used to. He had like a two-story house. His parents were doing well with, you know. And when I go into his house, everything was just nice. It was just definitely a, um, an income level that I was not used to. And so some of the things that he was down, he was asking me if I want to go out with him and his family, like on their boat and things of that nature. And I was just like, uh, I, I just, just felt like a fish out of water, right? Because it's just not what yeah. I was used to. And so when I would go back home, I felt more comfortable in that area. So for me, is there a preference? I think I think we do have preferences, and I don't I don't know if they're as much racially preferenced as much as experiential, like things I can relate to. Well, I think you're bringing up something that, that, that we can get to uh, right now, and we can knock that one out pretty quick. I think is is when you tend to speak to white people about these issues, it te- what I tend to hear is them speak more about this is a financial 
issue, right? This is an, an economic structural difference, not necessarily uh, a, a bias or racism. There's a lot of, and, and I get it because in the Latino community, it's about name and family, like where you're from, right? I come from a very good family. I come from a very good name. So we tend to experience a lot of privilege in Mexico and in Puerto Rico. You know, my family did not come from poverty. My, I, I'm not from the hood. You know, I know that a lot of you watching this or listening to this think all Latinos come from the hood. So there's a, no, I, we don't. We actually, <laughs> we, come, we come in all shades of colors, even though Florida has just dumped us to be black. Uh, Brian Florida, the coach Florida, and we'll get to that. He's actually a Latino, but he, he can be black for now. That's all right. I understand. But Latinos come in all shades in all financial sets. So we don't have a lot of that, that, that stuff, even though we have bias there's a lot of bias towards darker latinos from the from the lighter skin that's always been historical like that same kind of problems um and we could talk about those other countries as well but what about the economy so because because when i see greg and when i see rod every monday night these guys dress well both you guys dress well you do financially well so there might be some bias towards you guys because of that isn't there no doctor and greg we just had Dr. Shirley on the show uh, Monday, and you talked about when we are interacting back, you know, when we interact with the community. I think that's an important point, Greg, if you'll take it from there. No, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, from the standpoint of when we go into certain communities, and by certain communities, I'm going to just say um, lower socioeconomic black communities, um, they feel as if we cannot relate to what they are uh, what they're dealing with. And so, yeah, there, there's a lot of pushback against us, even though we look like them, uh, because we don't sound like them, because they feel we don't have the same experiences, uh, then all of a sudden we're not like them. We're not from their right. community. But, I mean, if they did a deep dive, really and truly, uh, into Rod Love and Greg Jackson, they'll see that we came from some very humble beginnings. I mean, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, I, you know I, I've told stories about my, my upbringing that that mirrors what we see in some of these communities right now. But if folks don't know that, they feel that they can't trust us to know what they're going through when actually we right. can. And we can actually talk to them about how we got to the levels where we are if they just listen to us sometimes. Right, right. Yeah, can, I, can I comment on that real quick? I, I, um, it's, I like that you brought that up because I have I have friends uh, from from various different walks of life and various different shades, I guess. Um, but I have a couple of my friends that I like. Like my brother from another mother, man, Terrence. I've I've, I've been best friends with him for over twenty years now, um, and it irritated the hell out of me when I would be with him and I would hear other people like they would comment on it and they would ask him like, "Why are you trying to be white?" And it would irritate the hell out of me because I was like, "What? What do you? What does that even mean?" And and they would the, the the examples that they would give is like being well dressed or well spoken things of that nature, and so uh, I agree with Louis when I when we see you guys and I joke all the time and, and it's funny but I'm dead serious. You guys both dress like freaking ridiculous. <laughs> you guys make me feel like a slob when I walk in sometimes. Um, you are, <clears throat> and, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> Doesn't even bother me. Like I, I've made it work for me over the years, right? Um, but my point is. Uh, like I've got my 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 daughter watching right now. I'm hoping she's watching. I, I told her to tune in, right? Because um, her and I get into conversations sometimes. And what what I don't like personally, and this is my perspective, I don't like the narrative that when people say black, they typically picture something, and what they picture is usually what's on the media, and it's usually like you said, lower lower economic thuggish, you know, hood that kind of stuff, right? 
And what I try to explain was like, that's not black. <laughs> you know, black is multifaceted. You know, like I have lots of friends who don't fit. I have a friend that's from the islands who who looks, you know, big dreads, huge, you know, massive individual. I've got other black dudes who are thugged out, but I also got other guys who are in suits and stuff. Like, much in the same way, Lou, you're always saying white. Like, well, Italian, Irish, cat. I mean, there's a lot of different white. Like, it's not just one thing. And so for me, it irritates me. And I don't think it gets represented enough. Like, everybody thinks when they say black, there's only one narrative, and that's it. Right. And it's like, I'm not even black, but I can tell you that's not the truth, man. There's multiple different narratives. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad, I'm glad you took it to that, that angle, because that's, that's actually mm-hmm. the next topic of point. Because what is black? Because it depends who's defining it, right? Like, everybody even has its own, it seems like people have their own definition of even that. What is yeah. black? Because as soon as one is successful and starts speaking a certain type of way, or they vote a certain type of way, or they present a certain type of way, or live in a certain neighborhood, all of a sudden, there might be some shade thrown, not by everybody, but there might be some discussion or shade thrown their way. So, uh, which one of you want to go first on, on that aspect? The Dharma guy, before we, before we jump there, I think it's important for our audience to know, you know, when we talk about networking, when we talk about relationship building, uh, I think people need to know how we came to be because networking and relationship, man, that's the new currency, if you would. And the audience need to really realize that, man, we don't agree on every doggone thing, but we got a relationship. We've built some bridges with each other <laughs> to the extent that man, we know how to disagree. And sometimes we part and we stay in our mindset based on the position that we've taken. But, you know, when we see each other every Monday in the studio, man, we're slapping hands. I mean, yep. The way that we're operating now, man, it's like if you don't agree with somebody, they become a mortal enemy. You might as well yeah. go make a DC comic. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, very true. Very true. What about you, Greg? I mean, you know, I, I, I have to echo uh, echo that same sentiment. Um, but, you know, just going back uh, also to uh, the question that you're asking, I mean, yeah. you know. What, what is black? It, it's interesting. Yeah, it, but, but what's even more interesting now, especially in today uh, today's age, you know, historically, um, anyone who had 1% of black blood and them was considered to be black. That That is historical. Um, but nowadays, it appears that black is not just a color. Black is also a state of mind. It, it makes me think about Rachel Dushaw or whatever her name is. all. We actually know her. We should have had her on this yeah. yeah, she identifies with being black. And the black community accepted her as such because she said, you know, for the most part, they did. So, I mean, for a lot of folks right now, it's a state of mind. But, you know, um, you know, black is it's a, it's a heritage. It's a culture. Um, you know, it's, it's about who we are, who we identify with. And, you know, to some extent, some folks can assimilate into that without being black. Right. Right. Well, I mean, if it's a percentage thing, I am six percent. So uh, <laughs> there you go, brother. <laughs> Well, let me ask you guys this question. Let me let me just put a, uh, let me put it out there bluntly. <clears throat> Both of you guys have either one of you guys ever been told that you were uh, uh, like act, trying to act white or told that you were uh, Uncle Tom or any of those things? Have either one of you guys ever been told that? More more recent than in the past. And did, how does that make mm. you feel? Does that offend you? Ron, I'm gonna let Brother Love hit on that one because uh, one of them struck him hard. He had he had to call me late one night to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 what? what? I'm going to just say this, man, and I'm going to cut to the chase. Greg mentioned earlier, uh, and, and we've been at it four years as a team, and Greg can get into how he and I uh, came to be this dynamic duel. But, man, we actually, you know, we identify the problems, and we go to it, man. And sometimes when we go to it, 
what we bring to the table is not welcome. And it just it, it, it blows it blows us away. But then in addition to that, I served as Orange County Commissioner. Um, I served out the rest of the term of Brian Nelson. And, you know, I was identifying things in the community that have been neglected, underserved. And from a from a certain segment of the community, man, boy, I tell you, I was Uncle Tom. And what really hit me, and this is the conversation I had to call Greg one night and get some some therapy. Hey, man, you know, I could take it. But you do that. You do that stuff around my family. That's when. You know, it really hits home. So I could take all of that because I'm looking at results. I'm looking at moving the pendulum forward. A lot of folk can clap the chops and then you look back and say, okay, what is it that they're doing? Well, they're making a lot of noise. Right. And and, and so the answer to your question, oh, yeah, man, we, you know, Greg and I both, we've worn that Uncle Tom. But then at the end of the day, man, you know, let's measure what it is we're talking about. And I can measure mm -hmm. a half a million dollar training facility. I can measure right. uh, an increase in affordable housing. I can measure every time you call me Uncle Sam, I can measure that folk, not just that look like me, but folk that's impoverished, folk that are in need, they're benefiting from the advocacy that's taking place. So, right. yeah. Right. Yeah, I've, I've always seen that are hurtful to people and my friends. And, you know, it, ha yeah. it even happens, you know, to me, because as soon as you're Latino, like, look, and, and my Latinos that are listening and watching or whatever, you guys know how we are. As soon as you're, you know, there's another Latino in power, and you know that you got, oh, you're like, hey, well, you expect some special treatment. There's this conversation. That used to really bug me a lot, you know, in, in, in my in my coming up in this area, because, I mean, I never looked at it like, I mean, I do come from a predominantly Latino area, so I guess I didn't really see it like that. But all of a sudden, I'm in this more diverse area, and I saw, like, people expecting better treatment or special treatment just because they were Latino. And it was like, no, man, you still got to qualify, bro. You still got to do it. I mean, I'm not going to yeah. hire you. I'm not going to do that for you just because you're Latino. I'm not going to give you this just because you what is that about? They go, you know how we are this. You know how we are. I get that all the time. Well, you know how we are. I'm like, well, no, my family may be different than yours. You know, there's some things that are similar, but there's always differences. And that's OK, man. But there's no there's no one way Latinos act. So can you put it to rest that there's only one way that black, that black people act, even though we had a person going up for presidency that says, you know, if you don't vote for me, you're not. You know, I thought that was pretty offensive, but I didn't see him taking yeah. up flack for that sentence. If, you know, you're not, you're not, if you don't vote for me, you're not black. Like, what did that mean to both of you? Because both of you are very different. Both of you vote differently. Both of you come, I like what you were saying. So I do want to get to how you guys met because you guys come from very different sides of the political fence, right? But what did you guys think individually about a sentence like that? I mean, I, in, two I, letters, I in two letters, I thought it was BS. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, we're on the internet. You can say the real word, man. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was bullshit. We can uh, call it that. I, I That's fine. Was, uh, no, no, I, I thought it was uh, very offensive. Um, you know, the fact that you're saying that if I don't vote for you, I can't have my own free mm -hmm. mind and, and my own way of thinking about things. And if I disagree with you, that means that you're taking away something from me that you can't take away from me. Um, you know, the, but the Democratic Party, uh, in my mind, if we, if we can talk politics just for a hot of second. Of course, you can say anything you want. Yeah, the Democratic Party, in, in my experience, and I'm, and I'm a Democrat. I mean, listen, it's, it's well known, but I get a lot of pushback because I say things against Democrats because I feel like just because I'm a Democrat, people expect for me to vote for someone just because they're a Democrat. And Rod and I, no matter what our affiliation is, we always say we vote people over party. 
because just because I'm black does not mean that I'm a vote for a Democrat. And for you know the the the, the then presidential candidate to say something like that was extremely offensive to me and, and gave the indication of just how little they respect the African-American vote to say something like that. You vote for me because you're black uh, right. and, and you have no other choice. It's just me and that's it. Right. Okay, so so going along with that, is it not equally offensive that, you know, and, and again, I, both, well, Trinity, are you registered independent like me? I don't know. Is that a personal yeah. question? No, I'm independent. Okay. Okay, so Trinity and I are independent. Uh, Greg, you've already said you're Democrat. Rod, what are you? I'm a Republican. Okay, so we got all sides. You know, nobody's libertarian here, but as independents, I think sometimes we kind of agree with libertarians. I think that's kind of why we're independent sure. sometimes. But all right, so going along those political things, then we had a vice president possibility, or she, yeah, she was still in the running. We know that she was in the legal system, right? She was. A, was she a prosecutor? Is that what she was? She was. The, okay. She was the attorney general for the state of California. Okay. Then she goes on a radio show. And, and everybody gets the question, right? I mean, I had one opportunity back in the day when I still smoked pot. I had one opportunity to ask a political candidate a question, you know, and it was it was uh, Gary Hart. He was at University of Texas, El Paso, and yeah. and he was up there, and it came to me, and I asked one stupid question, and my mom loves how dumb my questions can be, especially when I was young. And I would be like, what do you think about pot being legal? That was my question, because that's what mattered to me at the time. So... We, we all see then-candidate uh, Kamala Harris go on a radio show, and we notice that when she goes on radio shows, I don't know, you guys probably notice it too, when she goes on a radio show where it's a black, an interview interviewed by a black person, she sounds different, talks different, right? And then she gets asked about marijuana, and she's like, yeah, I did it, you know? So that's another thing, right? Is that that street cred thing? That, 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 how do you guys feel about that? When you see someone obviously do it, when you see them obviously change or answer a certain way, do you not feel like you're being, like, manipulated? I mean, in my mind, uh, you know, you know, and, and I'm going to be a bit biased or racist at this point. If a black person does it, it doesn't really bother me as much. I mean, because I do the same type of thing. If you hear me talking in my house versus as to how I'm talking right now, it's just like, wait a minute, right. who's that? Who's that? Well, you, know, you know, I forget my R's. You know what I'm saying? I kind of, you know, forget, drop drop D's at the end of my words, you know, when I'm in the house talking to my boys or whatever. <laughs> But I'm going to tell you when it's more offensive is when you have someone like Al Gore going to a black church and all of a sudden turns into a black pastor. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you have you have Hillary Clinton where all of a sudden she turns into a, you know, forgive me, an Aunt Jemima uh, speaking type person when she's in front of a black crowd. No, that's not how you talk. You don't talk like that at home. When I'm at home, I talk a certain way. So for Kamala Harris, I, I think that that may be how she talks. She, I mean, she, she went to an HBCU. She pledged, uh, a.k.a. I think that that's kind of how she talks when she's with her with her girls and things like that, or with her with her folks. Right. Uh, but when someone else does it, it's like, come on now, not now you. Great answer. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Louis, I, I think you know when you talk about from wherever background you're coming from, if you're talking about sales, if you're talking about politics, you learn and understand to speak to the audience that's in front of you. So, and, and I guess a word that we can use is called pandering, if you would. <laughs> it was called what it is, man. Well, well, here's yeah. here's what what we have said a lot on this show. It's like, look, if you don't know how to play the game, where if you're in a certain audience, you got to know your audience, right? And you got to know what you want to get out of that situation, right? So if you're speaking to a, 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 a like when people say, "I'm just being real," I hate that. I hate when people say that I'm just being real. No, you should be very different in different scenarios. In other words, I don't speak the same in front of my mother that I do when I'm talking alone with Trinity. Right? There's a, there's mm -hmm. it's two different mm -hmm. types of ways that I speak. 
when I'm around different people. And it's respectful to the audience that I'm speaking to. Like on WOKB, we do not curse on WOKB. We know there's, a, first of all, it's radio. You can get in trouble. But second of all, it's, it's, there's religious people listening. So you want to be respectful to people of, of religion. I don't want to offend them. I, I, I take no issue with them. So I think that when some people never change that or if you change, they view you like you're not being real. I think that could be a problem. I, I think we're unfortunately teaching young people that you are who you are. Say it how you say it all the time, no matter who it is. It's on them whether they, they accept it. It's on them whether they, they respect it. You just do you, and the rest of the world doesn't matter. Well, I I would be remiss, since if we're discussing, uh, since political stuff came up, on our on our photo that we put up, we did have a picture. We had we had Whoopi Goldberg, Brian Flores, and uh, uh, Joe Biden. And I'm, right. well, we'll get to the other two. I'm positive, but since we're dabbling into politics, let's go ahead and put it out there. So the reason why we we included the picture of Joe Biden in our little uh, post was um, the uh, aside from the the you're not black if you don't vote for me comment. Um, he also made a point of announcing when he was going to announce his vice president candidate that it was going to be a black female, and then when he found out, uh, I don't know, what, like a week or two ago, that uh, he was going to put somebody up for the Supreme Court nomination, instead of his first comment saying, I'm going to look at all qualified candidates, his first comment was, it's going to be a black female. And I think that that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I think it, I think some people heard it and they, you know, for their own reasons, they were excited and they loved it. But I also think there's a vast majority of people out there who were, were, were not exactly excited about that. Um, I'll start with my own opinion, personally. Um, it, it felt a little disingenuous to me. Uh, it, it feels contradictory at times. Um, when I'm told, when I'm bombarded with media telling me that the world hates black people, but then I, what I hear him say is, regardless of qualifications, I'm narrowing it down to only this. Like, I don't feel that you're looking for the best and the brightest, and I don't feel that we hate black people then. Like, if, if you're narrowing it down so that's all you're going for, then it's kind of like, it, it feels disingenuous, and it, and it, get, it sends mixed messages. Um, and, and, and she very well may be the most qualified, but that's what I would want for my Supreme Court. And I don't personally care what race, religion, color, I don't care about any of that. Are you the best for the job? Then you should have it. Um, but to come out immediately and say, well, this is what it's going to be. I understand the bigger picture that you're, you're trying to make equality of outcome. I get that. It just feels dirty to me. What do you all think? But Trinity, he did that with vice president too. I, mean, I know. The I know. First thing you said about that's what I'm saying. It's going to be a black woman. Yeah. You know, so, so this, this. In, in, in before we allow the gentleman to speak on this, I'll also give my opinion on that. Um, my issue with that particular comment was two things. One, if you think that, then just do it. Don't look for the, a pat on your back like, oh, what a great man you are. You are such an inclusive man. Because to me, if you say it, you're looking for, for someone to applaud you for it. You're looking for a prize or a trophy for it. The second thing is, as a Latino, we haven't had a president. We haven't had a vice president. We are 18% of the population, and, and, and everybody is on this black-white issue and just ignores us completely and is separating us by white and black. So now, and that's the reason Coach Flores is now a black man. So he, we can't even get our own representation. We get called white or we got called black. Latinos are completely ignored as the true largest minority in, the, in, in this country that, that hasn't had a president or anything like that. But you guys go ahead on, on what Trinity brought up, please. I'll, I'll jump out there, Greg, and, and just pass it, pass the baton. But, you know, my, my thinking on this piece, and I'm going to shoot from, from the hip. Uh, Louis, you mentioned 
that if that's what he was thinking, that's what he should have just done. Uh, from the perspective, man, that I sit, yeah, there are, man, I believe personally, there are tons of qualified African-American women who can who, who can meet that, that need on the Supreme Court. And my thinking is, Damn, just do it. You know, to, to, to broadcast the way it was broadcast, yep. yeah, it, it, it started something that didn't need to be started, number one. Yep. Amen. And and again, I just go back to my comments earlier. Man, you, when we look at things, I look at it from the best qualified individual, and I will say to you first and foremost, without any regret or remorse, that, man, I believe there are some black women out there that meet that standard you know, hands down. So I got no issue with that. The issue I have is just the way this was done. Uh, you knew this is the direction you wanted to go. Man, come on, just do it. And last yeah. but not least, we want folk to uh, make decisions from that seat that are based in the Constitution and not advocate their beliefs from that seat. So, yes. Again, I think those individuals can do it, but he set himself up for this one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Greg. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, good good luck with um, you know hoping that folks that sit in the Supreme Court uh, don't advocate from the seat, and we saw that from the last couple of decisions that we had in front of the Supreme Court, specifically with uh, Justice Sotomayor, uh, who spewed out uh, incorrect information uh, when discussing COVID numbers and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, despite what people want and think, yes, they should be based uh, you know strictly on the Constitution, uh, but they do go to the bench with their personal views, which is why that comment and, and these selections are so important. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but I absolutely agree. If it was something he was going to do, he should have just done it because for the person that he selects, no matter what people say, uh, no matter what he says, everyone is going to say, Oh, he just picked her because she's black. Uh, and that's not right. the position you want to be in. You don't want someone to think that you're there just because you want right. to be there because of your qualifications. And I think exactly. if it is a black female, he's taking that away from him. Exactly. He's, already that's, that's He's already put an asterisk on that person. Yep. Yes. 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 I think. I think he 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 hurt Kamala Harris from jump by doing that. You know, because once yeah. you do that, you 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 make her a, a token. You know, yeah. uh, in, instead of being a qualified candidate. Yeah. You know what I mean? You make her a token. Now, there's some questions that we got to get to. These questions. <clears throat> Trinity, did you have something? Yeah, to say I'll read it. Well, I was gonna say, if, from my perspective, I, I think what it really kind of does, aside from taking her qualifications from her, is. It further divides us. Like, it made it an issue, man, because the people who are already sketchy on either side, you just gave them ammo, man. Whether it's true or not, like, you you further push people away. Like, I have friends on, on, on both sides of the, of, the, of, the, of the thing here, and all they're doing is getting more entrenched in their views right now. Yeah. The people who are who are anti have no no uh, lack of justifications for why they feel that they do, and then these people on this side also have no lack anymore. Like we're we're not we're not taking ammo away. We're just giving more ammo to further divide everybody, and it's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we do have some we have some comments here and some questions. Let me go ahead yeah. and get to those while we wait. Um, yeah, go ahead. So uh, oh, <laughs> Skyler said I am. So she is watching. Hey. Um, uh, then Marissa, <clears throat> my mom actually is watching as well. Hey mom. She said, uh, yes, people over party, uh, which means your mom is probably watching Louie because they're, they're the only women in our lives that watch. <laughs> our wives don't ever watch us. So, um, uh, Marissa says, uh, if I disagree with the disabled community, they tell me I'm ashamed of my disability. We are all different, every individual, and we all have our own minds, not comparing the disability to race, but it is a part of me and my everyday life. 
Um, and then she followed that up with, I think she was, I'm assuming she's talking about Kamala. Uh, I think she was pandering because the rappers she said she listened to in college weren't around yet when she would have been in college. (laughs) And then, uh, David Knight, uh, David Knight, a good friend of the show as well, commented and says, um, thoughts on the most recent statement from the white house. Uh, Dr. King's assassination, assassination, uh, did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's death did. Circumstances like these seem to show that the Democratic Party is doing more harm than good while attacking the parties that have done more for minorities in the past than the woke left. And he put that in quotations. <laughs> and then uh, Marissa followed that up with, great question. I'm interested in the answers from these gentlemen. Uh, Louis for president. <laughs> and this is... No. Yeah, right? Nope. Uh, she said, "I." Uh, she then followed it up and says, "I would never want a position because, all capital, uh, I'm a disabled woman, unless that's part of the position description for all applying." And then mm. David, uh, the last comment here is from David that said, "The approach to striving for equality of outcome is a fool's errand. It cannot be done." At best, all you can do is try and root out any systemic racism, ageism, sexism, etc., and make spot adjustments when you find specific cases. That's what companies do when they do equality adjustment or equ- equity adjustments. Now there is a uh, now there is a way to achieve uh, equality of outcomes, but to do it, you have to abandon uh, merit-based pay schemes altogether and have the government standardize wages by job category. That's been tried in the Soviet Union, China, and elsewhere, but it makes people miserable. Um, I will comment on what he just said. That is a hundred percent true as far as the equity and equality. There's two different things, and I think people get that confused. Um, the, the 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 equity and equality thing essentially is equity is, is outcome and equality is opportunity right and so there's actually been studies uh, over in the Scandinavian nations where they have more equality than pretty much anywhere else but the equity couldn't be further from from equal meaning when we are left at our own devices we kind of all have a similar interest for instance and and, and a very uh, um, uh, just a, a trivial example but example nonetheless to prove my point. In my home, uh, I have, uh, at the moment, I have three kids and living at home, uh, two girls uh, uh, two girls and a son, right? So, including myself, and not my wife, but myself and my kids, I have two boys and two girls. All four of us have a PlayStation, but uh, the, boy, the two boys play PlayStation and two girls don't. So, when you look at the outcome, we spend a larger percentage playing PlayStation than the two of them do. And so, you would look at that and say, well, it's just not fair because they don't play it as much. Well, that's because they choose not to. And I think that's the thing that people forget. There is equality of, of opportunity, but not everybody wants to do the same thing that you're doing. And, and people forget that. So, you know, when, you, when they say things like, you know, well, how come there's not this many X, Y, and Z on this? Well, maybe because they didn't want to. They didn't choose that path in life. And, and people don't want, they confuse the two too oftentimes. And then they, they want to start uh, justifying it by saying it's, it's ageism or it's sexism or it's racism or whatever. And sometimes, as Oakham said, it's the simplest answer is the true answer, and that is they just don't want to do it. That is an example. So, okay. So there was a lot of questions there that we had heard, uh, you know, about the Martin Luther King thing, George Floyd thing. Compares any comments on any of that stuff uh, while Trinity was reading that, or does he need to remind you what the question was? No, I think Brother Love said it best. I mean, that sounds like pandering to to the tenth degree. I mean, you know, let, let's not. You know, let's let's not belittle what happened uh, to George Floyd. It was a horrible thing. We all saw that it was horrible. But, you know, it also showed us also uh, that here in this country that the legal system can find that an uh, uh, an African-American male 
was wrongly, uh, you know, murdered by a white person. Because remember, that was a big deal. Are they going to find that a white man killed this black man? Of course they are. This is the, this is the United States in, in 2020. So I never had any doubt in my mind. But to compare a George Floyd in a moment of time of what he went through to a Martin Luther King who gave his entire life to the uh, uplift and to the betterment of an entire race of people, I think is not only pandering, it's not only offensive, it's disingenuous and it's not being honest about the contributions of Martin Luther King Jr. to put him in that same conversation. No, not, not to belittle what happened to George Floyd. That was horrible. That is horrible. I don't think anyone is going to say anything different. Or very few people may say different. But to put him in the same breath with, with the great Dr. Martin Luther King, I think it's ridiculous. I agree. You know, Trinity, you know, just an observation, man. We, we all are very cognizant of this cancel culture, if you would. And when I, I, I listened to those questions that came from your listeners, I, I sit here and I think to myself, man, how is it that we can raise the, the volume, the voices of those individuals that are really giving us something constructive? But then we have to kind of sometimes tip tap around things. Yeah, we're going to come at you and we're going to be real. But unfortunately, man, we got to be very cognizant, too, that there's a silent. I mean, it's easy to sit back for a lot of people on these keyboards and come at you. Mm. Where are those same voices that I just heard? Because you guys, man, you got a you got a powerful listening base to continue mm. to build that listening base like you guys have. That's really is what's needed to empower the kind of conversations we're having here today. Even Amen. if we don't so agree on everything, exactly. So let's yeah. let's take it to a, a a more difficult subject, shall we? Since we're talking like this, accountability. Do mm. you feel? And he, and he came through a question. So here's I'm going to read the question out, and then let's think accountability. Okay. Uh, should the black community speak out more against black on black crime or black criminals, or is it the fear that in doing so somehow gives power or credibility to the racist person? That's a damn uh, good question. Love? <laughs> love? Greg, Greg, I, I noticed you keep throwing me out there, but I'm gonna go with it because Greg is a hell of a hell of an attorney, so uh, he keeps me straight. But I'm gonna I'm just say this because Greg and I have been doing this for the past four years, you know. And, and you guys, we you were on our show, and we touched on this conversation. When we 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 have to hold, and we do law enforcement accountable when you have some bad apples. By and far, man, I throw my hands up and tell you, I support law enforcement to the hilt because they do a great job. But yeah, there's some bad apples out there. And I, I like Chief Rolon. I like Sheriff Lima. Those guys are leaders. But then I also am looking at the numbers and I'm looking at, you know, you have a three-year-old in a community uh, leaving their daycare and get shot and killed in broad daylight and nobody saw a thing. And when I when I see that, when I when I hear that, there, we got to change. There's something that has to happen in the black community that this is not going to be tolerated. And until that takes place, man, we're going to continue to have these episodes. And I will say this to you, and and, and I'm not going to speak for Greg. Hey, man, I'm sick and tired of 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 participating in any kind of fish fry or barbecue to help uh, pay for a funeral. I want to go upstream and deal with why are we dealing with this kind of stuff right now? And so from that perspective, 
I co-chaired Mayor Deming's uh, Orange County Citizen Safety Task Force. Had had four pillars: prevention, intervention, and something that we don't like to really talk about a whole lot, but the enforcement and prosecution, which is equally important. So. Those are some of the things, man, that I think when we see some of the issues and they're constant, let's don't act like it's hit and miss. Unfortunately, it's taking place on a regular basis. Yeah, we got to be far more aggressive, but it's just not us. We got to have those individuals in those communities that are leaders speak up and let's get the action, man. Right on. Greg, same same question. Any thoughts on that? You know, because it it does appear that when it's black on black crime, it doesn't get as much uh, uproar. And stuff so i can see why the yeah, person asked the yeah. question yeah l- l- yeah l- let me let you all in on a little secret um it is my perspective that the black community and the narrative of the black community has been hijacked by a political party and mm. there there are a number of individuals in the black community who do speak out against the black on black crime there are a number of individuals in the black community who speak out about Good. young kids who are victims daily to mm-hmm. gun violence, and it's not just because of a police officer who's white or a racist system. It's because of these thugs and these miscreants and these bad folks that are in these communities. But because that does not match the narrative of what the Democratic Party, excuse me, what a political party tells the black community the problem is, we don't, <laughs> we as a community don't have the opportunity to speak out on, on it enough or, or, or much of it. They don't show that on television. They'd much rather show George Floyd uh, and the young lady who was shot by the police officer in her home a million times than to show that in uh, that in uh, in Chicago, more African Americans are shot and killed on the weekends than what you will see of George Floyd and a young lady in Texas over a span of a whole year if you watched it twice a day. And so the, 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 the narrative of the black community and what we are speaking out against is being hijacked by a political party and, and the voices that are speaking of these things aren't being heard because of that. Okay. Trinity? Okay. Um, about accountability? Um, yeah, I, I guess this is... <laughs> so keep in mind where we're all at, right? Like, I, I just... Uh, uh, so my perspective at this point is, is anecdotal, right? I mean, it's just my own personal sphere that I've been in. Um, but I, I do have, on this particular panel, I think I have the unique perspective of, because I have I have friends in both spheres, but I also have my skin tone, which means that, so my friends, I have the unique, because I, I've grown up with these people, I've been around for 20 plus years, 30 years. Um, I get to hear certain insights, right? So I feel like I, I have um, at least an ear there. Like by no means have I walked in the path, but I have an ear. Like I, I get to hear it. But then whether I want it to or not, I also have because of my skin tone. There's other people who feel comfortable just saying things to me, not knowing who I am, but just judging. Oh, he'll understand, and they'll say certain things. Now, obviously, I don't agree with a lot of those that avenue, if you will. Um, but instead of just dismissing them, I try to listen to what's being said. Right, and so when it come when I hear accountability, what I what I think the the big pink elephant in the room that a lot of people don't want to talk about, the one that people just dance around because they're all afraid of actually talking about it, is is it, it it feels the the public narrative at times from the non-black individual right is is that no matter what it is, it's never I did this or I could have done this better. It's always well, it's because I'm black. And, and so when I hear accountability, that's what I think 
is being indirectly said, right? Is and I can speak for myself even. Um, there were certain things in the last probably year or two, especially when all the protests and stuff happened, that I was confused and 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 upset at times when I would see something happen on national television, and uh, I would see it from a certain perspective. I would immediately assess what I felt to be what was just or what wasn't or what should or shouldn't have happened, um, and then I would cut, walk away with what I felt to be a reasonable thought process. But then the public narrative and all the public voices took a completely different approach. And I was like, but but wait, I don't... And it was frustrating because there was no accountability in that, right? And I think that, like, as a white community, what we've been able to do is we have distanced ourselves from certain individuals. We made it about accountability. And what I mean by that is we all have heard the term redneck. We've all heard the term uh, white trash. Like, we've all heard those terms, and all that does is essentially draws a line between me and them. Oh, that, that, that's, yeah, they're white, eh, but those are white trash. You know, that, that's different. Like, you know, yeah. we've distanced ourselves from their behavior. So when something happens publicly, I'm not expecting anybody to look at them and say, oh, poor, no. I'm like, no, they're retarded. Look at what they, look at what they did. That's white trash, right? And But I don't see that same sentiment in the black community sometimes like when something happens and the person was obviously in the wrong like they did what they did was just atrocious instead of saying yeah i don't know what that person was thinking no it's like they did no wrong and it was all this person's fault because they were black and i think that 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 also contributes a a wedge between us because as somebody who you know loves everybody essentially it's hard for me to put my arm around that man it is like locally we had marquise lloyd and that dude was a POS, man. He was. He was just not a good person. But a lot of the, the local black community would come out and say, oh, another black man getting hurt. And it's like, but don't put your arm around him, bro. <laughs> like, that's not that's not a good representation. And it's okay to distance yourself and say, you know, it, what I would personally like to see more of is the black community come out and say, no, 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 no. That's not black. That's a thug. That's not one of us. He deserved what he got. He shouldn't have done what he did. That was BS, and he shouldn't have participated. Like, and, and, more and distance. I, That's why I hear when I hear I, accountability. And I think in that, the second part of that that question, I think that's why it's relevant, because I think we have a fear when, you know, there, look, in psychology, we call it learned helplessness. Learn helplessness, right? We all understand learned helplessness. Once you feel like, you know, there's no way out, then you just give up. Well, I think we're creating a learned victimhood in, in, in the youth population, not just black kids, but I think all kids, there's this, this uh, whatever issues you had. So if you were traumatized or if you come from this family or if you happen to have this sexual identity or if you happen to be this color of skin, there's like a learned victimhood that you can't come out of. And to come out of it, oh, man, you're a hero if you do well, but it's expected that you won't do well and you can't do well. And so it's it's it's. I like to bring people up. I like to I like to talk positively. I like, you know, I felt. Like I was a very angry young man that blamed a lot of the things that happened to me on me being a Latino, me being a certain way. I got called uh, racially biased names by law enforcement, by other people. Uh, it was a very different world back then. And I look at today and I go, wow, man, you know, the whole country of white people did not hate me like I thought they did. I've actually been embraced and loved and all my comeuppance of who I am today is because there's a lot of good loving people in this country that were not highlighted in my youth. 
or that I didn't allow to be even in my sphere in my youth. So I have a very different perspective these days. And I'm not angry these days. And what I've learned is because of I dealt with my anger and I dealt with my pain, I allowed myself to listen and be connected to people that think differently than me today. And I think that's the key. We don't talk enough about how what we're doing because of whatever. The pain is the issue. That the people that tend to go down these narrative rabbit holes, and I'm and I and I'm not saying the political parties because the political parties know what they do. They they're very schooled. They're very educated. But I'm talking about the everyday citizen that gets got caught in this net of us against them, left and right, red and blue, Crips and Bloods. Really, it's today's version of Crips and Bloods is is, is Republican Democrat is pain. You have pain inside you of some sort. You have some some feelings that you need to share in process. But that's your stuff. Don't make it global. Thoughts on that? And then I have some questions that I got to get to that, that are on the net real quick. Louis, real quick, when you, you use the word learn victimization, you know, and when you when you yeah. talk about learn victimization, then I would say that that implies that something is being taught, whether through osmosis or, or conditioning. So just yeah. to that point alone, uh, and, and here's my tidbit on it. In particular, as we talk about the black community, because one of the things that I see, man, that that could be used is this. There's a learned process, particularly in the black community, when we see something. I mean, when we, you know, get bits and pieces of something, run quickly to a conclusion without having all of the information, without having all the facts. So wow. when yeah. we talk about, yeah, so when we talk about a learned victimization and learn. I think on the other side of that, in particular communities, we, we could benefit them by providing a degree of a level of education to say, because for me and Greg and I, we've both been in this. We get calls all the time from folks saying, oh, man, uh, law enforcement has done this or government has done that. And they'll give us that little nugget that they are familiar with. And Greg and I don't react to it immediately. And we'll go back and we have relations, man, with folks and they'll avail to us from the beginning to the end. And if we've gone out there and started our advocacy, we look like we look like fools. So I think the other part of it, man, is if there's a ability to educate and train, not through the osmosis piece, because I think that's where, unfortunately, the knee-jerk piece is coming from, but to say, hey, let's be calm, let's look at everything. And then going back to what you were saying, Trinity, then you wouldn't have as many people going out on a limb as we see now. Mm -hmm. Greg? Yeah. 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 What, you know, what I would probably say is that um, I think the folks should realize that there's not one person that speaks for the black community. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of times <laughs> when you hear someone not being accountable or someone that's, that's saying that someone, you know, didn't do something wrong when they clearly did something wrong, uh, those those are the ones that are selected, and I and I, and I hope I'm not sound like I'm making an excuse. Those are the ones that are selected by the media and by whomever to put that particular message forward. Because if you talk to someone like me, you talk to someone like a Rod Love, you talk to some of the other folks that we know. Uh, if you ask them, was Marquis Lloyd a, a POS? They'll tell you, yeah. And twice on Sunday, he needs to fry. They'll tell you that outright. But they didn't go and talk to those people. So you know, in, in terms of you know the black community speaking out. The black community does speak out. It's just who, who is heard when they are mm. speaking out. They they Great pick point. and they select who is heard on those topics because the black community has spoke out on a number of different issues and topics 
you know, about what's happened. Um, and, and, and you'll probably find that I'm not in the minority in the way that I think, but my voice is not being called on to talk about these things. Brother Love is not being called on. The people in the community are being talk, uh, called on to talk about the, those things that sound like us. So I don't want folks to think that the black community as a whole um, is not condemning certain things. You're just only hearing the voices that the ones who are in power allow us to hear, the media. So. It's, it, you know, you speak such a great point. And, you know, in, in yeah. here's probably one of the biggest differences, too. See, because in, in, if we're going to say the white community, even though it's German, Irish, Scottish, there's so many different kinds, right? There, you have a lot of different networks that you're comfortable with and have been watching for years, a lot of news coverage. But Spanish, same same thing. We have the largest TV networks in the country. We have the largest radio networks mm -hmm. in the country. Uh, so we have our own channels. Uh, you know, so, you know, we, you see our differences w within that. Black people don't really have that, right? So, you know, it, the, the array, right? Because it, it, it's, it's just... It's still in process. I mean, it's happening. It's just not as, as, as widespread. So some of it gets filtered through all these other networks. So I, I agree with you. There's, there's some, definitely some uh, changes there. Because I do know that when that Asian on Asian, when, that, when the Asian violence first came out, it was a, it, you know, the, it seems like they wanted to throw it in that, that white supremacy narrative until they realized, uh oh, uh, it's mostly black people attacking Asians. Pull it, pull it, pull it. No more Asians and be attacked. You know? yeah, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it, it got pulled almost instantly. It yeah. lasted like 24 hour news cycle about how Asians are being attacked. And then as soon as they realized it wasn't fitting the black, white versus the white versus black, black versus white narrative, they pulled it. And then all of a sudden, Asians didn't matter as much. And that's how I feel as a Latino. I said, we only come into play when it fits one of the side's narratives. You know what I mean? So everybody just thinks Latinos are a bunch of immigrants, and that's the only time we should be on the news is when it's talking about us running over the Mexican border or something like that. But anyway, <laughs> my, my brother, who's also an attorney, Greg, asked a question. Trinity, can you read my brother's question? Yeah, yeah. Please? Let me uh, – um, so uh, Jimmy Delgado says, um, what about the fact that he said it during uh, – his last his his campaign or when trump said he would appoint a woman they didn't call her a token 115 supreme court justices 108 white males and all the names suggested so far most of them hold supreme court seats in their prospective states they are qualified yeah you know jimmy brings up a good point you know it, listen and 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 jimmy here's where i agree with you and, and we obviously have some disagreements and some agreements uh we think differently at times um I think I think uh, he also did a lot of things wrong, and if we would have been doing this show back then, I would have said he, he says a lot of things that are ridiculous, and and that uh, that he shouldn't have said it the way he said it either. I think if you're gonna do, if you're gonna appoint somebody, again, I'm gonna repeat it again. If you're going to appoint somebody specifically because they're in a wheelchair, because they're under four foot tall, because they're a certain weight, because they're a certain shade of skin, but, but or they speak another language or come from another country, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. We'll follow you. We'll go behind you. But as soon as you separate it, people take issue with that because people have really never liked that idea at all. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any comment about his question? I think he's on point. Hello? Do we lose Greg? No, he's right there. Oh, uh, no, we can't hear him. No, no, because he had went off the phone for a sec. Somebody texted him in. He's going to have to go back out and come back in and get back on. Audio. Yeah, because it says he muted himself. So, yeah, Greg, you might have to leave yeah, and just Greg, come back real quick. Out and come back in the way you did, man. That's the only way we're going to get your audio. Well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll have Rod's answer while you go out and come back in. It, you know, don't, 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 it, like I said before, man, y'all listening audience is definitely on point, and I just wish that, man, with our shows. And by the way, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this in case you guys hadn't been contacted yet. Um, 
starting Monday when we broadcast again, uh, we will be broadcasting on WOKB Heart 100.7 FM. Oh. So, 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 so we're doing it, but man, nice. we need, yeah, we, we, we need the diversity of these voices. And yeah, man, I agree. I just wish if that was in the back of this, in the, one of the most powerful persons in the world, if that was in the back of their mind, do it. Now you set that person up for a degree. They're gonna. That's gonna be an asterisk in history yeah. for whoever yeah. selected. Yeah, he did it too. Now, now I don't agree that that they said that that you know, like I think it was the View that said that oh, she only got the job because she was a white woman. I thought that was wrong. No, she got the job because she was a woman. Yes, I don't know about the color of her skin. She was extremely well. qualified though. Yeah, she was. I just want to put that again, out there. There's an asterisk, right? As yeah. soon as you say you're gonna hire a woman, yep. you know, you you put the asterisk whether you want to or not. Greg, do you yeah. agree with that or not? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I was, was going to say it doesn't matter who said it. The, the the moment that they say they're going to put this person in place and and not consider anyone else, uh, you know, it's 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 not it's not right. I, I you know I don't care if no. it's Biden, I don't care if it's Trump, I don't care if it's you know you you name me the person, I'll tell you the same thing. Unless of course it's me that they're putting in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. All right, so let's go to the stories because we've mentioned this. Here's the question: When stories seem possible. But it fits our fears or narrative. We seem to automatically believe it. Do you view that as harmful or helpful to the overall case of racial unity? Man, y'all have a smart audience, man. Golly, what, 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 these questions are like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, attorney, go ahead, jump on in there. You got to answer it. Which one of you going to start? One more time, yeah. Give, give, give me the okay. question. Okay, when stories when stories seem possible, but it but it but it fits. You know, they seem possible. Stories seems possible, but it fits our fears or our narrative. We seem to automatically believe it. Do you view that as harmful or helpful to the overall case of race unity? When story, okay. I can, uh, it, it, I can't it, is this our jump into this our jump into Flores, right? I, that's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's okay, where I'm taking it right now. So here saw people defend him. You know that, that it, oh yeah, the coaches must have done that, the owners must have done that. He didn't get the job because he was black, or he got fired because he was black. Everybody jumped on it because it fit narratives. Go ahead. Hey, I know many of you've heard this before, and I'm gonna just go ahead and say it. You know what I'm saying about if it walks like a duck, uh, quacks like a duck, and, and, and it, yeah. it must be a duck. Here's the, here's the yeah. problem for me. And, and I tell you, I know, and I hate that Belichick is in the middle of all this. I I, I hate that. But here, and, and you know what? And, and here's the other thing I'm gonna tell you. I hate, I hate that Flores published a private, personal. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hate I, that. I hate yeah, that, I, I hate that he he did that because now anywhere that he goes, trust. You know, oh, who, you can't trust him now. Yeah, he's done. And, and so, and, and so, hey man, what I look at is the fact that, okay, Belichick is inserted in the middle of this, and based on what your your audience person is just, you know, the question they ask, man, they, everything, unfortunately, man, is lining up left and right, and now I think we can turn to the doggone Rooney rule that was put in place, and so here's a guy who's worked hard all his career. You look at the coaches that he's worked for, and this is a prideful guy. I mean, I think he's probably stuck a fork in his career, unfortunately, because, yeah. you know, but... I hate the fact that all of this, as your listening audience said, lines up. And is it a narrative that, you know, I'm going to fully support? Man, I tell you, and, and Greg's the attorney. I'm looking at 
how all of this lines up. And yeah, we're talking about this underneath the guise of, of racism or discrimination and things of that nature. Man, I just hate how all of these squares fit into those pegs, man. That 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 is what disturbs me to no end. And then, you know, I don't know if the rumor mill is correct, but then you go back to where he was fired from. I had my staff compile just some general statistics for me. This guy, he was a winning coach in Miami. Mm. He was an actual winning coach. And then you come back and you see this piece of the conflict that he had. His management style might have been a little gruff. And that, I don't think you'll account for whether or not a person's white or black. Hell, they say Nick Saban management style is a little tougher. He's a damn, win- he's a winning coach. So, so, man, I tell you, I, I'm, I'm sorry that this is happening, but I do believe, I do believe, and I say this, it needs to be addressed. Straightforward, it needs to be addressed. Here's what people forget, though. People forget that this is not the first time that someone has said this. Uh, Herm Edwards uh, intimated this. Um, who was the coach of the uh, of the uh, of, of Indiana of the Colts when uh, Peyton Manning was playing? Dungey. Dungey. Yeah, Tony Dungey. Dungey mm-hmm. has intimated this. I mean, I'm, I'm looking over here right now, and out of the 32 teams, uh, 32 professional football teams in the NFL right now, apparently there's only one African American coach. My team. Coach <laughs> Mike Tomlin. Yeah, Mike Tomlin. Yeah, it's first Mike, Mike Tomlin. Yeah. Now, now, you know, when, when we look at the numbers and the stats, and I and I just look at numbers and stats, it appears to me that Brian Flores was a immensely successful coach for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, this yeah. is the first time since 2003 that they've had back-to-back winning seasons. Um, you know, he, he you know he took the team further than what they've been in, in almost mm-hmm. two decades. Why wasn't this guy looked at? And then the other thing, too, he came from under a winning system. Think about all the yeah. other coaches who coach under Belichick who are now in the NFL that are being wildly successful or partially successful. Why is it that this one guy who was successful with the team that was on, you know, on the losing side of things, sorry, Brother Love, um, why is he not coaching in the league right now? And so it does beg the question of, is there something going on and is it something that needs to be looked into? Now, if there's nothing to it, there's nothing to it. Right. I got, I, I got a thought on that now that I didn't have that I didn't have before because I like Brian Flores. I do too. He's one of the only Latino coaches, if not the only Latino coach, by the way. You guys can try to take him away from him. Uh, you got Ron Rivera. You got Ron Rivera. Greg's going to have to go back out and come back in again. Yeah, you got Ron Rivera, uh, so, which is uh, yeah, Hispanic. There you, go, there you go. That's true. All right. So, so, so I like Brian Flores. But the answer to that, or, or at least a, a new caveat to this is, what if what we just saw him do with the text messages are indicative of the type of person he kind of is? So that so now there's a new little a new little thing in my head because at first, yeah, oh man, Flores, how can you get rid of Flores, man? I mean, come on now. But then I look at, oh, wait a minute, maybe he has some personality things that rub people a certain type of way that we just saw with the revealing text messages. Uh, apparently, if he was told to 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 lay off games and lose them. But didn't say anything. Now he's choosing to say something. How convenient. Maybe that's just, maybe he's one of those dudes. Maybe he's one of those guys that oh he's your buddy when you're when you're with him. But the minute you disagree with him, you know he becomes kind of a. Can I say this, Trinity? Can I say this without getting too much hate? Go for it. Kind of act like a bitch now. You know what I mean? Sure. You know, like why are you now go? What now? You're gonna bitch about it? Now you're gonna say something? How come you didn't say something before? Well, you see, know, if you had a problem with him before when he was paying you, you were cool with it. 
But now he's no longer paying you. Oh, now you want to like out everybody. You want to out Belichick. You want to out owners. <laughs> you want to go after the NFL while you're trying to get a job at the NFL. So th- we might be seeing part of a personality that maybe when he interviews, they might catch it because these interviewers are no joke, man. These people, they're hiring high-level positions. You're talking about billionaires. You're talking about people that, that, that have, have made more money than any of us have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Maybe they picked up on a personality trait that they said, this is not the person I want to ride along with. Yeah, they may Louis, win, Louis. but there's something about this personality I'm not cool with. And I don't know what it is, but there's something there. Louis, but just maybe, and, and we talked about this earlier, just maybe. And, and I like how Greg gave us the definition of racism. Uh, and the fact that, unfortunately, some people, when they think racism, they think one one particular ethnicity possesses that 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 ill will. That well, that goes across the board. We've already talked about that. But right. just maybe, is there enough latitude to say that this could be actual a situation where that took place? I mean, we dis we we've discounted, yeah. we've opened up for the audience to to give their thoughts, but. When they go back to, to, to Greg's definition and, and everything, and I look at what's taking place here, come on now, I, I do believe that it exists, no matter what color. You got black folk that are racism, that are racist. I so, I, I, you know, I just don't want to discount the fact that this no, could be I, one I, of those cases. And I'm not trying to discount it. I'm just simply saying that there's there, that when you interview somebody, there's other stuff they're looking at, and it could have been something else. And, and so I but agree that there should but, but be. But they didn't evaluated. interview him. He, he yeah. had an interview him. He got a text message no, from Bill like Belichick. But, but Miami. Yeah, no, the Giants. The Giants interview. But, 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 and, and I, probably, I apologize, Brother Trini. But let's, you know, if he had not released that text message from Bill Belichick, no one would have believed him. And the fact that. He, so the the whole issue was he was told to lose games and he would get a hundred thousand dollar bonus. The fact that he didn't do it shows that he wasn't going along with the system, anyways. And so he felt like, listen, I got these guys a winning season. Maybe that was just a joke. Maybe maybe they're just gonna, you know, maybe that was just a joke that he told me or something like that. But then when he gets fired, then he has a winning season. And he goes back and like, wait a minute, this cat was trying to tank me from the beginning, you know. So you know, like well, I said, I mean. J- I, I don't think no one would have believed him if a Belichick text message, and yeah, he shouldn't have done it. He should have said, you know, a, a reliable source and whatever. But if, if that Belichick text message was not in the mix, who would have believed this guy? Well, I think, and again, I guess we got to let it play out. It's going to be fun to watch play out, uh, and, and yeah. we are going to see it because now <laughs> the Giants are saying that, wait a minute, we had not selected anybody. We had only done a Zoom call. We don't hire anybody yeah. via a 20-minute Zoom call. We hadn't even interviewed <laughs> that coach yet. So it's going to be interesting to see how that particular thing Well, I mean, I, any, any more thoughts on Oh, yeah, I've got plenty of thoughts on it. Um, so for me, uh, the problem that I've been watching this whole thing unfold, the problem I have is it doesn't feel like it, it feels like in these situations the critical thinking kind of just goes out the window right and it, and it just it feels so good man it feels sexy as hell to be like oh man there's racial issues and all that it feels good man it feels sexy it sells papers it does it really does or but, anti-rich too yeah but for me it doesn't it, but, but, but for me personally looking at it from a critical perspective it doesn't pass the smell test certain things right and i'm not saying that there was no racial undertones i don't know i wasn't in those rooms but in order for somebody to get me to buy on to that narrative there's going to be some i want some questions answered right and, and what i mean by that is is number one 
Brian Flores getting let go from Miami, to me, it, it seems like somebody, it doesn't matter what color of the skin, they just didn't tow the company line. I'm paying you millions of dollars. I'm telling you to go lose some games. You said no. All right, then uh, I'm going to replace you with somebody that will. I'm signing the check. You're not towing the company line. You're gone. You know, it doesn't matter what color you are. Like, I, I make billions, yeah. homie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm paying your check. You're going to do as I tell you. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got more. I got more. Greg is the attorney. Greg is the attorney here. Now you're talking about an NFL owner telling a coach to lose games, man. Absolutely, it's illegal. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) I'm not saying it was right, but that's there's a different issue though between being right and wrong and being racial. Like you know what I mean? Like there's also there's also a different issue about catching a case. True, true. But see, the other thing, and so the other thing that, that for me doesn't pass the smell test, right? The other thing for me is, and, and Louis, you and I both have a billionaire in common, right? You and I both know very well a lo- our local billionaire, and we've been in his circle for several years now, and, and watching them move and, and, and interact, there's one thing that I've picked up more than anything. Money is what matters to them. Money. And so... I've been a fan of the football NFL now for you know my entire life, so over forty years now, and and, and it's come to my I've seen individuals have court cases still getting signed on to NFL teams, so it's been my interpretation that what the NFL cares more about anything else is winning money. and money. Yep. And, and in other words, you could be the worst person on the planet, but if you can help us win, I'll, I'll overlook your court case and go ahead and give you a contract because I think you could sack the quarterback for me. And so if these billionaires are so concerned about winning, I have a hard time thinking that they're not hiring somebody that can help them win because they're black. Like I don't think that they're going to have a roster or an employment of like 70% African-American paying their assistant coordinators, paying home office, paying the players, but they're going to draw the line at head coach. Oh, don't hire him because he's black. I don't think they care. I think they care more about money. And so for me, the idea that there's this massive like racial thing in the NFL, they're holding them down. I just, I have a hard time buying it, man. I think they care more about winning. I think there's something else to it. What it is, I don't know. Because I will, I'll be the first to admit, it is weird. I looked them up yesterday, and I saw there's like 20 people since 2020, uh, since the reading rule and stuff, there's 20 black uh, head coaches. Um, and, and, and I think that's not enough. Like, I think there's plenty of them. I can't tell you why some get hired and some don't. I don't know why enemy uh, has not gotten more opportunities and stuff. I can't tell you why, but I can't tell you why Jason Garrett was in Dallas all that time. He should have been fired a long time ago. And so I don't know if it's, this is what I think, my personal thing. I don't think it's a racial thing. I think what it is is there's no blueprint to win. There is no because if you look at the Cowboys, uh, uh, the Cowboys roster on paper, it, they should win, but they don't. Right. And there's no blueprint, so everybody's just trying their best to figure it out. Everybody's just trying to cap, catch lightning in a bottle. They don't know what they're doing. They're trying to find the next big thing, and 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 it's all subjective, right? So you have an interview, and you're thinking, is this person? Because they're all qualified. You know, they're all qual- they all have the qualifications. So who's going to give you that it factor that next like gets you over the hump, and either you feel it or you don't. Now we could argue. I think personally, I think race comes into it in a biases type of thing, meaning I'm more comfortable with people who I'm around, right? So if you got a white owner and a white coach, maybe they they feel like this leader of men is is better at it, and they're they're giving them a more positive uh, slant because they're they're the same uh, race. I'll buy that. But the fact that they're purposely holding people down, I just don't buy it, man, because it's all about money at the end of the day. Green is the only color that matters to them. I, I think you made some great points, and I, th- I think uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that you had me thinking about 
when you say that there's been that many coaches that have been given the opportunity for at least one season yeah. is it makes you think, okay, well, then we have to look at why haven't they been able to retain it? Like maybe there's yeah. less tolerance for losing when when somebody isn't from your clique. And I say clique because everybody's cliquish. Everybody's used to yeah, cliquish. Sure. All of us have an inner circle, right? So, uh, you know, and, and I love what Greg uh, started with earlier in the show saying that, you know, like look at your own personal inner circle and that'll tell you a lot mm-hmm. about yourself and how you view, you know, things. Uh, right. Because if you look at your inner circle and all you see is the same color, same type, then then you could probably relate to what maybe this billionaire is feeling, or maybe this this the g- general manager is feeling. When you are used to a certain click in the thing, maybe an unintentional bias can exist, and that is a difference mm-hmm. between racism and unintentional bias. And I, but that's what's good about having these conversations, because if that right. is the issue, yeah. and they put it in their head, wow, man, it is possible. Because here I've interviewed a bunch of people, and man, how come I haven't even put one on the list? Or how come I haven't? How come they haven't reached the the, the end? Now I don't want them to reach the end just because they're black, but right. hopefully these conversations at least allow someone to, to look at themselves and see if they have some unintentional unintentional bias. And I think really realistically, I think what exists most in the United States right now is all unintentional. I I think the I'll, I'll go exists, agree with that. Uh, have been on the run for a very long time. We have progressed a hell of a lot. I agree with that. But there's still un- a lot of unintentional bias from all sides. I think Latinos have it a lot. And see, I always joke with Trinity. I say, look, <laughs> we were some of the most racist creatures on the planet. Trust me. It, it's crazy the way Latinos talk when they think it's all Latinos in the room. It's like, whoa, whoa. You know, um, and, and, and I'm sure it's like that when, when it's all black people in the room. Uh, I'm sure it's like that when it's all white people in the room. It's no different. It, it's like it, it freaks you out. But then we all get together and it's all, oh, only white people do that. <laughs> so so um, I love that these conversations continue to open things up mm-hmm. like that. But on the Brian Flores thing, I think we're just going to have to let it play out. On the NFL thing, I think we're just going to have to let it play out. I don't think there's a yeah. – uh, I, I think this opened up a can of worms. I don't like personalities that tend to do that. I think that uh, the old street thing of uh, snitches get stitches – kind of thing it's, it's always funny when people talk like that because it's like look there's another example somebody as soon as it's like you know oh, like, you just blew all your street cred for us don't don't come to this day bro, bro you just blew all that hey fellas I, I gotta throw this out uh the uh golf club that i'm a member of fellas have text in the box uh fight like brothers love like brothers and got another text from the ogs orlando gentleman Saying brothers from another mother, great conversation today. Right on. Thank you for that. Awesome. Awesome. I love the fact that he says he belongs to a golf club, by the way. It's awesome. <laughs> you just tore up your black card. Right. <laughs> but see, the I'm problem. Like, play around here. <laughs> the problem, though, with some of the way you were just talking about is, is that's not the narrative, though, right? When you turn on ESPN, yeah. when you turn on all these other things, there is no that that was one of the, re- the things you and I talked about the other day, Louis. Was what irritates me is is there's like it's one of those things. What is it? I, I don't remember the exact verbiage of it, but you say it enough, it becomes the truth, right? And what's happening is 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 every station you turn on to right now, it's just that's it. It's like there's already been a, a, a decision made, and oh, oh yep, they're racist. Like there is no actual discussion. Like, well, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just no. You're not. And if you do, well, then you're the racist. You know. And that was what was bothering me. Is I don't like the fact that it's like, you know, one person says it and then the other people chime on and then that becomes the truth. And it's like, well, but wait a minute. Like there is another perspective here. Go ahead. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Now, now, and listen, you brought out some great points, and, and, and they're all very thought-provoking. But let me let me ask you all this question: If the NFL was a major uh, metropolitan area, and that major metropolitan area was seventy percent black, and they only had one police officer that was black, what do you think people would say about that uh, metropolitan city? And that's a damn good point, bro. That's a damn good point. You know, I. I think mul- multiple things, multiple things, because I think that has been brought up. And actually, I have talked to uh, sheriffs of other counties. So let me say mm-hmm. other counties, just so our current county or our county <laughs> doesn't get to, other counties have said that they have a um, attraction problem. They have tried very hard to attract minority police officers or minority candidates. And there's an attraction problem to getting them to apply. And so that may be one. I'm, I'm not saying that is the only issue. I'm just saying that could also be an issue. Um, I think that I go back to when I was younger, and, and I remember my brother becoming an attorney, and I remember me becoming a counselor in this business and working with the drug court system and, and working in the government system to help people uh, you know, have an alternative to going to prison and instead get drug treatment. And I remember me and my brother laughing about, man, you have to fight it from within. We are within the system. We are in the system that for so long we have looked like we didn't belong in, that they didn't want us. They didn't like us. But we came into the system. And I think that's what we need more of. We need more of you out there that feel disenfranchised, that feel that you're segregated against. Whether it's true or not is irrelevant. If you feel that way, that feeling is valid, and therefore you should become part of the system. But don't become part of it by yelling loud, burning shit down, and just being upset. Because anybody can be upset and just talk shit. But are you yeah. going to do something about it? And to do something about it, you got to speak with a kinder tone. But most importantly, you have to listen. You have to listen to what the other side is saying because maybe there's a different perspective that you just haven't heard because your feelings are in the way. Your emotions are caught up in it. Your fears and your anxieties and your and, and all your past pains are caught up in it. But there may be another alternative. Now I want we do have to be wrapping up, and I do want to ask this last this 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 one last well it may not be the last question, but this question. Because I think it's a very relevant question to what we just spoke. What should our mothers of black children tell their kids about this country? And their potential in it. Oh my goodness! I mean, why, why, why do we have to just say to mothers? What about what should black parents tell? Uh, you know, tell their black children. They should tell them what I tell my children. Uh, you know, when every time I see them, this is a great country. This is a mm-hmm. land of opportunity. This is the greatest country that there is. And this experiment into the uh, into the into democracy is is appearing to work because we don't have. We don't see the freedoms in other countries that we see here. And I don't know if it's because I've traveled all over the world and I've seen firsthand what other places are like. But I tell my kids, this is a place where if you put your nose to the grindstone, that you can pretty much be anything you want to be. Why do you think so many people want to come to the United States? Why do you think so many people migrate to this country and end up being business owners where they couldn't do it in their own countries? So as a as a parent of black children, what you should tell your children is that if you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything you want to. Are there going to be obstacles? Absolutely. Is everyone going to agree with you? Absolutely not. But don't let that deter you from setting your mind on a dream and having a focus on a dream to achieve those things because it can be done. This is that country that, that we can do things that nobody else can do. Look at any other country you want to, and I dare you to find where someone that can come to this country with nothing can end up being a billionaire. And that's a, those are real-life stories here in this country. 
Amen. You, you know, Greg. You know, Greg said it all. And and when you talk about, you know, it's just not for black mothers to tell their children. It's uh, for anybody. But in particular, when we're talking about the black community, I sit here, man, bear witness. One of five children of a single parent that basically mm -hmm. grew up in a community that my mom constantly told us, hey, you keep focused. You prepare yourself. This is there's plenty of opportunities out there. Don't limit yourself. And then, you know, as Greg just mentioned, look at across the world how many people want to come to america so we live in a great country it's just man and, and you know what I'll, I'll leave it with this i constantly also tell my children i've been preparing them for the reality that the world that we live in is not perfect i remember my kids yeah. growing up and they say that them saying things to me based on a decision i made to them daddy that's not fair hey i'm just preparing you for the real damn world mm-hmm <laughs> Trinity has an answer for that. Not fair. He gets asked that. <laughs> yeah, the world ain't fair, man. Um, yeah. No, I, I, you know, I would echo both of what they said, and and uh, I, I agree with Rod there. I would say um, I, I wouldn't limit to the just moms, and I wouldn't limit to just black parents. I think I think that is part of the issue. Is 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 we keep acting as not we, but collective we keep acting like there's this difference between black America, white America. There isn't. <laughs> We're all parents, man. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, last I checked, all good parents just want the best for their kids, want the best for themselves, and we're all doing the best we can. Right? And we have different ways of going about that. So for me, as a parent, I would just tell other parents, black, white, Spanish, you know, mom, dad, two moms, two, I don't really care, is teach your kids, you know, some responsibility, teach them accountability, teach them self-respect, Teach them respect for those around them. You know, teach them you know you know maturity and responsibility, those kinds of things, and and, and they'll do just fine in life, man. Right. Here's um, you know, going along this same theme, uh, you know, being the brown guy in the room, so apparently I don't belong in the conversation between white and black, right? It, well, technically, in, in mainstream, you're black now. Well, there's got to be a <laughs> what? There's got to be a color chart so I can know if I fit. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't, well, wait a minute. I don't know how my son. My son-in-law is pretty dark Latino. I've right? got actual black here, so. I don't even. I don't even know. How, I don't even. I have a black uh, son. I have a white son-in-law. I don't know. I, I, we always got just comfortable calling ourselves brown. But I've got mixed race kids, so what are you gonna do? Way. Yeah. So let me let me go to this though, because when we say American man, I I look at it like my family didn't have to come here you know, to leave a bad situation. My family chose to come here to, to just, uh, just have a different situation and have it prosper situation. Right. Cause I come from a Mexican government family so that they weren't hurting there. Uh, my father was a land, you know, his family was landowners and, and ranches in Puerto Rico. So he wasn't hurting there, but they wanted, you know, and he got drafted into our military. My dad spent 25 years. He's a retired command sergeant major in the army. My dad, bled for this country you know what i mean my dad gave a lot to this country and he wanted he loves this country my dad loves this country and my dad fa faced a lot of injustices that i didn't face early on because he got here in 63 he got here the day kennedy got shot the very day kennedy got shot and so wow the kind of injustices that i that he didn't pass on to me see he didn't tell me these stories until i was in my 40s my dad didn't tell me the stories of injustice until my 40s he did the right thing Whenever I would come to my father and I would say, damn, this country's like this, these people like this, because I'm first generation, right? And so when you're first generation, you don't really belong here and you don't really belong there. There was There's so many books written to the Latino kids of my generation to help us understand what it's like to be this displaced because you, you're, you're not Mexican anymore because you live in the United States, but you're not really 
white Americans. So you you know you're you're you know you're Mexican here, but you're not Mexican there. You're Puerto Rican here, but you're not Puerto Rican there. So there's all this confusion. So I can understand at least a little bit of what black people must be feeling about like where do we belong? But let me tell you something. Every country I've ever been in, all of us are American to them. Whether we're white, black, Spanish, regard we're all just that American. You know, you can go to Africa and you're not African, Greg, you're right. You are American. American. You felt this. You've yep. traveled. You know that's true. You go to the Bahamas, you they don't even want to be considered you. So like so like if a Bahamian comes here or, or a Jamaican comes here and they go, Oh, you're black, no, 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 I'm Jamaican. No, no. You know, they they want to make sure you know I'm Jamaican first, <laughs> then mm-hmm. whatever else you want to call me. So I think we as all Americans need to kind of help change that narrative. This division is being created by the powers that be because it fits their narratives, because it fits their voting situations or whatever they're doing with us. But I feel like I'm always being toyed with. I don't want to vote a certain way because I'm Latino. So if you don't like the way I vote, that's on you. That's not your, that's not, that's not your vote. You have your vote. I have my vote. I don't need Greg to vote a certain way. I don't need Rod to vote a certain way. I don't need the Dharma guy to vote a certain way. I think we all, can have our own perspectives and our own choices. That's the beauty of this country. When you look at our military, our military is made up of all colors. But if you if you would just watch TV and you didn't live within the military like I lived for all those years, you would think that it's only white. You would seriously think that the military is made up of all white people by the way I see TV. But I lived in the military. It's all minority. What the hell are you talking about? It's all minority. It offers an opportunity for you to get out of whatever situation you're in and see the world. Yeah, you'll dedicate some of your years to this country and, they, and you, you are owned and you have to do this and you might get deployed and do all that. But let me tell you something. My dad has been retired since 40-something years old. That man is that man has outlived his retirement. He's, he's lived 40-something years of getting paid for life at a command sergeant major <laughs> retirement salary. <laughs> You want to get out. You don't have to dance. You don't have to sing. You don't have to play football. You don't have to. No, you can actually dedicate your life to a country mm-hmm. that will mm-hmm. reward you for the rest of yes, your is. life. Yep. I think the biggest problem we do, because I think entrepreneurship is beautiful. I am one and I love it. I think all of us here are, are those. Mm-hmm. But you, my friend that's listening or watching this, you may not be that chief. You have to accept you just may be an Indian. And yep. you may do better. By just getting a job that's gonna that, that you work at for twenty years and get that retirement. That's not talked about enough these days. That's not talked about enough these days. You got no. you know, everybody thinks I'm just gonna own my own business. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna run my own business. Dude, I've been pushing if trade school. Million dollars, you could spend all that in a year, brother. I've mm-hmm. I've been in situations where I'm walking through, going through certain neighborhoods, and I see a car worth more than the house. I see a stereo mm-hmm. system worth more than the car. Dude, nobody we're talks about trade schools. Scenario. Trade schools, you know, man. Yeah. Need, yeah, dude. Let me tell you something. We got to get back to the moment. It says, no, we're not all supposed to be chiefs. Yeah. Uh, You're right. And, You're right. And that's part of these conversations, I think. It's teaching our young people, listen, use the system that's in front of you. Use it to pay you for life. It's an opportunity. Get within government. Get within politics. Get a government job, whether it be military or not. You can be within this government and make all the change that you're thinking about. If you think that there's 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 a systematic problem, you can be part of that system. I'm telling you, if you go to the the DMV, they're not all white people. If you go to the the DCF department, the Department of Children's and Family, that's not all white people. It, it, I can go to every government system, and I don't see all white people. Do you? So if you want to be, if you want to change the system that you live in, get within it, rank up. 
and do what you got to do, man. Make right. something happen. And, and I applaud each and every one of you. I really thank all the. I want to go for final words now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's start with you, Greg. Uh, what you got? Something before we go? No, to no. Final? I'm saying your final words. Okay, Greg Jackson. If you can give us any final words, any final thoughts about this topic, we're going to come back to it because we could still touch on the legal stuff. We could still touch on on the, on the on the murders and trials. But I think we save it for a day where maybe something like that is happening, and and we're all fired up about it, and people are, are really wanting to know about it. We'll we'll get back to this. This is not a conversation that's going to end. We started this when we were on your show and our show combined. We're going to keep doing this. Uh, but Greg, final words. Any final words? No, thanks. I appreciate it. Just first and foremost, man, I want to say this has been a fantastic conversation and we want to thank you uh, for having the bravery uh, to have this conversation with us. Uh, it's not an easy topic and it's not one that's going to be solved overnight, but it's one that if we at least start having the conversation and continuing the conversation, we can have better relationships amongst ourselves and with each other. Uh, just also want to say, um, you know, uh, thank you to your audience. Y'all have some great questions out there, man. Yeah. You know, if they ever find some time on a Monday, uh, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., they can check us out on WOKB or they can check us out on iHeartRadio or Spotify. Let's Talk Nation USA. We appreciate you, uh, uh, Dope Docs and, uh, and the Dharma guy, man. Y'all are great, man. Y'all are y'all are truly our brothers, man, and we appreciate y'all. Thank you very much. Thank you. Rod. Hey, I'm just going to echo what Greg has just said, man. Just I think what this conversation that we had hopefully will lead to more conversations from the listeners from local communities. But I think what we're doing, and I got to give you two, man, all the credit in the world, just starting this conversation, man. And like uh, one of the guys said, those brothers from another mother, we got to go ahead and continue to lead. And while we're on a small media, if you would, man, what we do here matters. So I want to thank you guys. Thank your listeners. And uh, let's just keep in the fight, man, because a lot of people are learning from these conversations, man, even the things that we're not focusing on. Right on. Trinity? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, more of the same. You know, first and foremost, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, I know we hit you guys with this uh, last minute, and uh, it's obviously, you know, it's a, it's a potentially scary scary topic you know for some people and and you guys have always stepped up and had it and i, I appreciate you for that um as far as the topic itself is concerned i would say um gosh man like stop <laughs> just stop with the division you know we have so much more in common than we do uh, differences it, it's easy and it's fun to focus on the differences especially because they they evoke emotions and we get upset and we feel validated and and we can surround ourselves with a bunch of people and be like yeah yeah I, I agree you know but if you really stop to think about it, there's so much more we have in common, you know, and, and, and so let's focus on that. If we start to focus on what we have in common, we can build more bridges. And, and, and at the end of the day, that's what we need more of, because we've already tried the war thing. We've already tried the angry thing, and it just doesn't work. Nobody wins from that one. Right on, right on. And for my final, I want to share this picture that, that somebody sent us. Somebody sent me this picture. And see that? That's a ripple effect. And the reason they sent it is because they said when you speak and when you do things, it's like a ripple effect. And so that's what I hope this show is, uh, you know, or what, what, what it tends to do is just create some sort of ripple, man. Whatever you do with it, you do with it. Whatever waves it creates, it creates. But the point is, is that each and every one of us uh, are that, are just like a droplet in a, in a large, large basin of water. And you can create a ripple effect and just have people talk about it and open up and just speak freely about this. And I think that's the important thing from shows like this is just speak freely. There's, you know, look. As long as we're respectful to each other and as long as we're listening to each other, no harm can come from it. None at all. So you know there's you know their story. They're at Let's Talk Nation USA. They're on the same channel we are over there at WOKB 1680. They're on at 7. We're on at 8. 
Uh, feel free to join us. You can you can uh, log in from anywhere in the country. Just go to WOKB1680's uh, Facebook page, and you can see their show. You can see our show. Uh, and then from that, uh, just follow them. Look for them. They're going to be on our show a lot more, uh, you know, a lot, uh, a lot more times than just this. Uh, you know, at the Dharma Guy, you know I'm at the Dope Doctor. Uh, from all of us here, man, thank you very much for listening today. Please like it, share it, pass it on, whatever you got to do. Adios, amigos. Time for a taco. Goodbye.